What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, April 5th, 2021, and this week's episode, the most loaded month of MMA ever. We'll be looking back at Bellator 255 and the fi- and the semifinal between Patricio Pitbull and Emmanuel Sanchez. We'll be talking about a loaded week in MMA news. Everything from Leon Edwards versus Nate Diaz, Volkanovski and Ortega coaching the Ultimate Fighter, the latest with John Jones, and multiple announcements. You're almost going to run out of fingers counting how many we had in the last seven days. And of course, we'll top it off by the UFC's return this week. It is the middleweight bout between Kevin Holland and Marvin Vittori. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. Happy Easter uh, to anyone who's celebrating Easter, but to you. I think uh, whether you did anything or not, it's nice to have uh, sort of like the city take a little pause, you know, and everyone <laughs> stay off the uh, off the main streets and stuff and restaurants and malls close early. It's always nice to get a little break, so... You know what? I always say, even if you don't celebrate Easter, you know what? Those chocolate rabbits are non-denominationally delicious. <laughs> Indeed. And Easter egg hunts, I mean, you can do one at any time. It's, it's true. Not a, <laughs> it's I still not don't know how the, with anything. I still don't know how the bunnies lay the eggs, but, you know, that's. Uh, I just missed that. I, I was gone that week in elementary hey, school hey, where they explain it. You don't want to know, Double G. <laughs> um, Natalie, we got more fight news then we can shake a stick at so i think uh let's get right into it let's start with obviously the past weekend bellator came back it was their first event of 2021 and there were quite a few good fights a lot of contenders kana watanabe got a win on the undercard tyrell fortune jason jackson beat neiman gracie but all eyes were on featherweight champion patricio pitbull can he deliver his end of the bargain and set up that final with AJ McKee. Emmanuel Sanchez came out, looked strong, looked tough, tried to get it going. But man, Patricio Pitbull, I don't know how to say it. It wasn't a pretty fight. It wasn't like he just steamrolled him. But at the end of the day, you could just tell he wasn't going to be denied. He connected early and he just did not let go of him, swarmed him, eventually went for the guillotine adjusted it i'm not gonna lie to you natalie at first i thought i don't think he's got it i think he might be on the verge of you know burning his arms out didn't matter put him to sleep frighteningly so i'll address that but you know what pitbull did what pitbull has been doing for the last two plus years gets the win uh just quick thoughts on the fight yeah he 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 bulldozed him and and it wasn't like um he came out of the gate swinging but he he you know, he read Emmanuel Sanchez right. He had a couple leg kicks, but Sanchez gave him the space to be Pitbull. You know, Sanchez didn't put on a lot of pressure. And so Pitbull was like, okay, I'll take uh, this spot here and this spot there, and we'll just pile them on. And then, oh, thanks for the neck. That looked painful, the way he was he was cranking and yanking on the neck there. But, um, yeah, I mean, efficient, efficient and scary. He said he wanted to finish him in the first round, didn't want it to go five rounds like last time. And he's basically been steamrolling everybody in the, uh, in the Grand Prix. So the matchup we wanted to see is happening. So I think everyone at Bellator and obviously McKee and, and uh, Pitbull are happy and, and I'm happy too. I think it's a good outcome. So, but, but yeah, I, I would like to talk about the, uh, you mentioned the, uh, the submission there, the, the guillotine. Uh, how did you see it as far as, uh, you know, time I, between uh, application and intervention? That's a great way to put it. The perfect <laughs> words. Um, I've heard guys and girls say, I remember Ronda Rousey said it like, nah, like until the ref pulls me off, I'm hanging on to the arm, right? Stuff like that. It, it's not a completely unique stance to take in combat sports and grappling and MMA. But I, when I thought about it, I was like, Pitbull, you are knowingly holding him asleep. Yeah. Uh, I was a little frightened, to be quite honest with you. I was actually very relieved when they showed Emmanuel because you'll notice the camera angles. 
nobody was showing Sanchez. And I'm like, guys, is he up yet? Because it feels like that was a very long time. And, you know, people are saying he's out, he's out. But he's still choking him. And I know. I, I was, was like, you can let go. <laughs> I was a little worried. I'm not going to lie. Um, it, it, everyone is okay. Had it gone a little differently, we could be having a completely different conversation this morning. But the fact is, I'm going to also say this. Pitbull is a professional, so I'm not going to act like I know the difference. But I will say on television, live, it did leave me concerned, and I'll leave it at that. Yeah, it, it, I mean, but I, I, it's hard not to agree with what you're saying, which is like, okay, you're saying he's out, he's out, and it's what school are you from, right? Not till the ref takes me off, or if you pull like uh, Chad George, right, um, who says he's out, he's out, and he eventually lets go of the submission to prove to the referee that his opponent is out. So we didn't see that here, but um, I mean, <laughs> you know, it was interesting, yes, concern for Sanchez, but but Pitbull, even though he held on to the choke, he was upset, if you recall. Uh, immediately after the ref separated them, he stood up and he was looking back and he was kind of motioning and, and saying some words like, why did you make me hold on to him for too long? You know, So he knew what he was doing, but but he's from the school of, I'm waiting for the ref, and that's fine. But uh, <laughs> scary moments, and, and as you said, glad that everyone's okay. Yeah, once again, I, I acknowledge he's a professional, but I'll also be real and say, yeah, I felt like that was a little, uh, <clears throat> we're starting to get a little borderline um, over the over the edge in that situation. But once again, look, I've never, you know, gone out there, had to fight to the end and choke somebody out. So I'm going to assume Pitbull knows a lot more about how long it is before it's unsafe. More than I do just watching on TV. I'll say that right, right now. Right. So. Okay. Um, but yeah, watching live, no, it, it may be very queasy. I'll admit that. Um, moving on uh, real quick. I mean, I don't think there's much more that needs to be said. Uh, the AJ McKee Pitbull fight. This is up there with Pitbull Chandler. I would actually argue more because I feel like McKee, the way they've promoted him and the way he's built himself up. The fact that he is undefeated, the fact that he is, you know, the heir apparent, like the next generation. I feel like this fight has even more heat than the last battle of the homegrown stars, Pitbull and Chandler. More than even maybe Pitbull, sorry not Pitbull, but Chandler Eddie Alvarez, that was a big deal. This is new generation Bellator trying to take out the old guard. He's trying to create a new era. I love that about this fight and, you know... on give Pitbull credit you're talking about a guy who arguably could give Volkanovsky a run for his money right now in UFC it's that good of a fight quite bluntly with those intangibles for Pitbull yeah it is and uh and that definitely is the question that comes up now is you know how would Pitbull fare against uh UFC top UFC featherweights and you know, maybe we'll find out. Didn't think we would with Chandler, Michael Chandler, and hey, look, lo and behold, we are. So, um, not that that's the story right now, but it, it's something to, to consider. It's fun to talk about. Uh, but yeah, the matchup with Pitbull and AJ McKee, very exciting. Like I said earlier, it's it's the it's the result we wanted from this Grand Prix to have these two guys facing off in the end. And even though we had to wait a long time because of uh, 2020 being <laughs> being the year that it was. At least we're getting it, and um, hey, Bellator's on Showtime. Like it's this whole new era for for, for Bellator, and it's it's all just generally very exciting. Yeah, um, I think it's going to be a big deal. Uh, real quick on the Showtime part, I thought they promoted this beautifully. Like, um, I don't know how you chose to watch it. I chose I chose to stream it on Hulu through my PlayStation. I have watched maybe like one or two sport, sports-related things ever on Hulu. I kind of saved that for my ESPN Plus and Netflix offerings. But I fired up Hulu front and center on the app on my phone, on the app on the TV, Bellator MMA Live. Wow. I thought, and I was like, dude, this is a home run marketing. If you were any interested, it's like they push that they put some chips into the you know forward on that so i thought that was well done look at the end of the day 
it's not, you know, UFC compared to everybody else is just still UFC compared to everyone else. They're going to have to keep putting on some big fights to get there. But I do think that this is a good sign for Bellator. There's none wrong with being number two. And I think that these next few weeks are a great example. They've really loaded him up. A lot of fights, a lot of talent coming up. Vadim Nemkov and the rest of them. It's like, hey, look, these are completely respectable world-class fighters that you guys are going to be able to see compete over here in some pretty nice matchups with some names you're familiar with. I think it works. Um, Do you have anything to add on Showtime before we... They had a few quick announcements. I thought we'd hit it. Yeah, I just... For me, I have the. I was already subscribing to Showtime, so it was easy for me. Just change the channel and hit the DVR um, to make sure, in case uh, Mr. Joe, my my boy here, needed uh, my attention, that I could come back to the fight. And so it ended up being the case. So I did watch a little bit delayed, but it's nice to just be able to run it through the DVR um, because that interface is so easy to to operate versus. ESPN plus and and it looks sounds like Hulu is pretty easy to operate too so good for Bellator that they're in all these places where it's like it's not a pain in the butt ESPN plus as great as the offerings are no matter what if it's a pay-per-view if it's a fight night if it's prelims like just can't get a clean signal all the way through but that's that's a story for another day I think it's just they made sure they put it a bunch of places that you could find it. YouTube, mm-hmm. I, um, it was on their YouTube channel streaming live. Like I said, Hulu. I know, I think Apple TV or something. I know there were more, but those were the two big ones. It's like, oh, that's... I know people were ecstatic about that because it's like, you know, you don't have to... I know they're on the free trial and then the discounted offer for a few months, but you know that people... If you're like most people, you're probably already subscribed to a few things that, you know, you don't like to add to the list, even though they are by themselves pretty affordable, right? So I think they did a good job of pushing it to make sure they got the word out. Hey, this is where we're at now and this is what we're doing. So in that way, I liked it. Yeah. Um. Real quick, Chris Cyborg, she's got her second title defense. She'll be rematching Leslie Smith on a fight on May 21st. So just a little over a month and a half from now. Um, They fought once before. I believe it was 2015, 2014, Natalie. Um, uh, Cyborg, that was when she was doing the catchweights in the UFC at 140 pounds. Uh, She beat Leslie. And that was kind of the end of that, right? Cyborg kept her train going. And Leslie, a little bit of rebuilding. Eventually came to Bellator before Cyborg and... That's where she's been at, and now they're here for the fight. This surprised me slightly, and then I had to think about it because I thought, okay, Cyborg's taking a break, probably looking at if Kat Zingano wins another one. Kat Zingano is scheduled, I believe, for this Friday against uh, Olivia Parker. Did I get that right? Uh, yeah, Olivia Parker, April 9th. So um, at first I thought, well... This is a bit of a miss. I kind of felt like that's the fight. That's why they brought in Katzengano, right? As a featherweight, not a bantamweight. So now that I'm seeing this, it's like, well, is this maybe the smarter option? Because let's say Cyborg beats Zingano. That's kind of it for Kat for a minute, right? You know, I think we have our thoughts on how she does at 145 versus 135. Yeah. However, the Leslie Smith fight, gives you more longevity because if you're talking about continuing to build Cyborg, this is the perfect fight to have before she were to fight Katzingano and seemingly sweep the board. So I do like it in that way. What about you? Yeah, I like the fight. Um, You know, I like that they're fighting at a weight that's more comfortable for Cyborg, even though, you know, it's just five pounds, but that makes a lot of difference. And, excuse me, I, um, I recall in that initial fight uh, in the UFC, Leslie Smith, she was getting walloped, but she wasn't out of it. You know, it was more just like it looked worse than it was, and she felt like she could have continued. Now, we know Leslie, Leslie Smith is tough as nails. Uh, that fight against Jessica I with her ear hanging off her face oh, is yeah. what comes to mind, of course. Heck yeah. First and foremost. So, 
maybe she really sh- couldn't continue, but she wasn't going to say so. We don't know. But to me, it looked like she could have kept going. So I just, I'm actually excited to see this fight. Um, I think it'll be fun. Uh, I don't know what, like, it's still Cyborg. It's still Cyborg, just like Chef Valentina Shevchenko is still Valentina Shevchenko. And, like, all the all the big names you, you throw against them are it's still kind of like, well, geez, it's going to have to be someone really special, really talented, really, really have a tough chin. Leslie Smith hits a lot of those, not all of those. And it's hard to find a fighter that does, but I think it's a good matchup and, um, they're doing a great job with their, their big names from the female division, like just using them well. So I think the cat Zingano fight, I think it, you know, it's fine to have her fight somebody else so that they can circle back around to, to cyborg eventually. So I'm, I'm good with this the way it is. Yeah. I think that Leslie isn't a pushover. She's going to force cyborg to be cyborg. Very simply. I don't think you could coast against Leslie. You shouldn't coast against anyone, but you know, her more so if you get what I mean. So yeah, I like the fight in that way too. And like I said, uh, Kat Zingano, she wins two wins at 145 now kind of builds her stock up a little more for a potential cyborg fight or Leslie fight. You never know. Um, there was a lot we could start with, but I felt like this one was probably more fun in terms of MMA news. Leon Edwards taking on Nate Diaz at UFC 262. They will be the co-main event to Oliveira and Michael Chandler on May 15th. And a very special first time ever five round non-title co-main event so when the championships are co-main they still get five rounds this is the first time a non-title fight in a co-main gets the 25 minute treatment i think that says a lot about just where they want to go with these two i think they're like look you know if you're gonna fight for a title next this is it i think they did a good job um i think it just makes you notice the fight more Like they did last year, they had Diaz and Pettis, or sorry, two years ago, and that was a three-rounder. And I think by making it a five-rounder, you let people know this is a big deal without adding hardware, like a, you know, BMF title, for example. (laughs) So I like it in that way. Uh, Leon Edwards, we know what kind of win streak he's on. We know what happened with Bilal Muhammad. And then Nate Diaz from left field taking on Rocky. What are your thoughts? Yeah, left field is right. When I saw this matchup, I thought, why would Nate Diaz agree to fight Leon Edwards? Like, like was this it... is the one that gets you back? Right, this is the one? And I thought, okay, is it because it's a five-rounder, because it's a co-main, and he was able to get them? Like, I, I don't think Leon Edwards was the one that was like, oh, I'd like this to be a five-rounder in the co-main position. Had to be Nate Diaz. That had to be the offering, and he had to say, okay, I'll do it, but you got to give me five rounds. Why though? Why ask for that? Does he want to go five rounds? Um, if it does, he wants to be able to show again how he can do that on short notice. Um, you know, there's there's something there that I would love to know. I have so many questions. I love the answers to. But yeah, why Leon Edwards? Uh, why was that the one he's willing to come back for? Who knows? Maybe he has a greater plan in mind. Maybe he's just tired of waiting around. Um, I don't know. Do you have any insight there or is it just still kind of like an unknown in the uh, in the MMA world as to why Nate Diaz picked this fight to return? Low key, I think it wasn't. uh, I think that um, Nate picked Rocky because that's pretty much as close to a title eliminator as you could get without fighting. Let's say respectfully, Colby Covington's just going to want to wrestle him. Um, Wonder Boy, I feel like he did. I almost feel like they've fought before, which is weird. I know they haven't, but I just think that he feels like Rocky stylistically is one of the best fights that gets him a title shot guaranteed. But I actually feel like it was the UFC's decision to make it five rounds. Like I said, they want you to acknowledge this is a big deal without adding more hardware, without having to go into the office and pull out another one of those, you know, with the gems and the gold uh, UFC belts. You know, I I think that's what we see... I think that's what they were trying to do. And I think they're just like, okay, I'm down. Five rounds, five rounds. I'm game. I'm in. Let's do it. So I think that's why Nate took it. And I think that's why they scheduled it for 25 minutes. What I will say is that Nate, you know, it's like, well, do they have beef? 
If we're being honest, Nate almost starts beef with everybody. Yeah. It's like the only one he doesn't have beef with is his brother. Everybody else, it seems like he's okay flipping the bird to every single guy who's left in the division, which is Dude, fine. You can find beef with your mom. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, he'll find a way to make beef with anybody. So. Why, why you have to bring her into this? Not Natalie? specifically. <laughs> I know. Um, but yeah, like, you get it, you know. Um, like I said, I think that it's good if, you know, if you're trying to get, let's be honest, Nate still sells pay-per-views, especially mm-hmm. if he wins. I think this is a good storm. I think there's going to be attention on the lightweights. And I think they do a good job. He brings that extra pop. I'm not saying like it'll reach BMF levels now, but I think it does bolster this card well. Remember, they got Tony Ferguson on the undercard, things like that. So I think it's just a nice storm brewing in Houston, if you get what I mean. Yeah, I mean, this is the Oliver And I say that, Taylor, right? I say that uh, uh, nicely. I know they had the snowstorms recently. Oh, but, um, yeah. I realized that a little too far. It's like, wait a second, that did happen. I apologize. Um, but yeah, the yeah. fact is, it's a good card they're putting together. Right, this is Olivera Chandler for the belt. Like, this is a, a big deal. So, I mean, are we thrilled to have Nate Diaz back? Yeah, basically, would it matter who he fought? No. Um, and this one, as you pointed out, is um, the opponent that gives him a like a basically a direct shot at a title um, shot. To use the word twice, if if that's um, if he wins, so smart move. Still has me uh, still a stunner though, but I'm excited. Well, what are you gonna do? Yeah, I think that the directions. You know, if Nate wins, I mean, even if. Whoever wins with the title, you could go different directions with Nate at 155 or 170. Obviously, if you're Rocky, that kind of really locks you in uh, whenever Usman and uh, Masvidal, you know, like the winner of that one is ready to go at the end of the year, next year. So I think that it just sets it up the table pretty nicely for the guys. So I like it. I do. Um, And then we got another curveball during the week. Uh, we found out Volkanovski, Alexander Volkanovski, the featherweight champion, and Brian Ortega, they will be the ultimate fighter coaches for the return on ESPN+. They're set to begin filming at the end of April. Obviously, you guys remember, Volkanovski was pulled about two weeks ago for COVID. He spoke to Ariel Hawani. He had a horrible time. I don't know if you've seen the headlines or the posts yet, but... Or watched it, but um, he was talking about I was my heart rate was going dangerously low. He was coughing up blood. He had to all this stuff. He was he said no. Nah, I was going through it. I was like I thought I was fit and young, and it's like no. It said the COVID symptoms themselves didn't get it, but the damage it did to his lungs and the inflammation got him bad. So wow. um. He said he's doing better now, and they got him on some good medicine that is helping. So, uh, best wishes, Alex. Definitely feel better, and I hope you're taking care. Um, so, all that kind of set the timeline back. He said, yeah, we're not really talking about a fight anytime soon. So, the tough thing kind of works nicely in that way. Um, but, yeah, so, I know that took a tangent, but the fact is, Volkanovski and Ortega are now our tough coaches. What are your thoughts on that? That's fine. I mean, it's it's not like the most exciting because for tough, you want you, you kind of want a rivalry, especially for the return of the show and what presumably will be a revamped version. Um, at least that's the impression I've gotten from Dana White, but who knows? Could just be the same old, same old. So I was surprised for two reasons. One, because I was like, well, okay, you know, these guys will make great coaches and maybe they'll have a couple of barbs, some you know, throw some jabs at each other back and forth. But, eh, okay, it's no Colby uh, Usman, right? <laughs> okay, fine. But then the fact that it's now pushing the, the fight between the two of them so far away, that was even more surprising. But, of course, now we learn that Volkanovski, you know, initially it was just like um, – that strange language they kept using due to COVID protocols. And then no one really confirmed that Volkanovsky himself was actually tested positive and that he was ill. So knowing that explains everything and that he had a rough time of it. Okay. So you need more time to recover, of course. 
he needs the time. Brian Ortega doesn't, so it sucks for him. It's probably very frustrating. And is he going to be, you know, so desperate to fight that uh, he, he he takes one in between? No, obviously not. He's doing tough. But I'm, I wonder if the thought crossed his mind because this is a long time to wait, and you're not. No one's getting any younger. So do you feel for Ortega at all, or do you think he's kind of just chill about it? I don't know. I think he you feel for him, but remember Ortega he he gets it. Remember he's the guy who was out two years with injuries and everything, right? Mm-hmm. You know, like he was ready to fight the zombie, and then he hurt his knee and all this other stuff, right? So this isn't a um, you know like unfamiliar territory. He knows it's just kind of how life goes sometimes, and in this business, uh, yeah, it's a long layoff, but. He's like, look, I'm getting a title shot. I'm getting to do my thing on tough. I think that's a big one. What I do feel for, Max Holloway's year essentially got flipped upside down. Because you know he was probably thinking, look, they fight in March. Maybe I get out there and, you know, like Max Holloway, it is what it is. I'm going to go out there and do what I do, baby. You know, (laughs) like in the late summer, early fall, that's what he was planning. That completely gets thrown out of whack now. So, um, does Max fight somebody else? Maybe Yair? Maybe Zabit? Maybe somebody else? I don't know. I will say this. I, we're in April. As far as we know, Yair should have cleared um, his USADA issue for uh, the failure to update the whereabouts or whatever. I think they said his stuff was up in March. Dana White, I think, at the Adesanya Blahovich press conference said that they were working on something for Zabit. Natalie, I don't know. What I will say is that I, I love Max Holloway, but the fact that the other two uh, obvious top contenders have still not fought and we have no update, that to me is the most perplexing of all. Because at this point, I'm kind of wondering, no, seriously... Do you still plan on having these guys fight again? I really don't know what's going on. I really would love to hear from both of them. What is honestly the deal? Yeah, that's a tough one for Max, for sure. And that's probably the person who's who's paying the biggest price for the decision that his, uh, his other uh, peers in the uh, top three uh, positions have, have made. So... Uh, yeah, he is so chill about stuff and uh, posting happy pictures of his family. Maybe he's okay to just sit around. But like when you had a performance that he did against Calvin Cater, like, and you want to keep that momentum going, you know? Who could they put in there? Uh, or maybe he goes up to 155. Is that too much? Uh, you know, is that put too much risk uh, on his the, the flow he's got going at 145? I don't know, but. We want to see him fight sooner rather than later. And if he has to wait for these guys to go through tough and then finally fight and then recover to fight him, like, geez, that's Christmas. So, And I almost feel like he doesn't want to do that because by all accounts, it seems like there's nothing in the way of him fighting for the title again afterwards. So he, do- why would he risk that spot in line? Yeah, yeah. It's like if you don't got a Conor McGregor kind of guy in front of you, why would you risk it? So why exactly, exactly? If 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 Khabib comes back and says only if I can fight Max at one fifty five, maybe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but still, I I do, I, I really want to know what's going on with Yair and Zabit by now because it's uh, we're kind of at that time where it's almost like I think we almost got to move on from both of them. It's like you know what? Yeah, yeah the the egos and the caters is like. These are our top contenders. I almost feel like we're... It's like I need to hear something or I feel like people are no longer invested. I think we're reaching that point with both of them at this stage, you know? Definitely, yeah. Yeah, so I hope they're all right and I hope we hear from it soon because that to me is like, well, let's get some other dominoes moving then in the interim. But yeah, uh, interesting Ultimate Fighter season coming up to say the least. Uh Uh-huh. The next one, uh, not so much breaking news. We're revisiting it more. Uh, John Jones goes on Twitter, and isn't that the best time to be on Twitter when you know he's on? <laughs> and he requested his release. He did um, delete the tweets, but he kind of doubled down 
Um, long story short, he kind of put it out there that he's kind of being offered within the like eight to ten million dollar range, and he says that's just too low for a fight with Ngannou. Um, and uh, as we've seen, you know, it seems like there's still an impasse with the UFC. I did see Ariel Hawani's tweets today saying that the UFC did see if they could maybe make Derek Lewis, Francis Ngannou for the June pay-per-view to join the flyweights, but said that essentially they kind of were like, well, you know, at least right now in this moment, we're kind of not seeing eye to eye with John Jones on the money. We're looking to move on if that's a, you know, to get our cards going. Natalie, uh, John Jones is not going to be released. Let's so for people who are maybe throwing that into the, you know, the sphere, it's just not going to happen. Just they would tie him up legally until they know he's no longer going to be the John Jones of old for sure before letting him go off to the Bellators of the competition. It's just not going to happen. You know, he's just worth too much. It would just be too. They just will never do it. And I'll say, you know, compared to, well, they traded the GOAT Demetrius Johnson. Uh, respectfully, Demetrius Johnson didn't sell pay-per-views like John. Um, same like other guys, other top contenders who have left. It's like, you, they have never really let the man go, you know. So to say John Jones will be released, that's not going to happen. I will say, though, what do you think about this is that arguably the biggest fight that can be made right now in MMA, John Jones for the heavyweight title, it seems like somehow they've lost control of that whole thing completely. What are your thoughts on that? It's crazy, but you know, I keep going back in my head to like as valuable as John Jones is, as uh, popular as he is, well known in any case, and as big as that fight would be, I think the UFC is standing there and looking at him and saying like, we don't need you. Like, yeah, if you're come if you'll come to terms with us, okay, great. Let's all make money together. We'll still make more as always, as usual. But we don't need you. Francis Ngannou is is a big name. We have a fight with Derek Lewis we can make. Derek Lewis has, has tweeted that he's willing to take eight to ten million. Uh, so they've got a game opponent. And um, you know, they can still make a lot of money little by little with other fighters, with Conor McGregor, with uh, Francis Ngannou, who's going to be bringing in more eyeballs. So I think they're fine just letting John Jones tweet and delete. And, um, you know, they're not going to break, bend over backwards to give him all the money that he wants unless something spectacular happens. I don't know what that could be. Or unless Francis Ngannou says, I won't fight anybody unless it's John Jones. Then we have a problem. Then we have to get to the table and we have to compromise. But until then, John Jones, in my view, has no power. I think that um, I look at it all big picture. Uh, we know John's history. We know that, you know, showing up and staying here has been inconsistent over the last decade, right? I want to give him credit. He has not entered himself into something that would take him out of the fights recently. I know you had the one thing that happened, but by and large, you know, he has a fight. He's made it to the fight. There's been no drama surrounding his fights. I'll give him the, you know, call it what it is. He deserves the credit for that, you know, in his last few fights. Um, with this, though, you really got to ask the two questions. You brought up a great point. Where does Francis stand? Because Francis is like, look, that's John Jones' problem. I just want somebody. Then John Jones is on his own. If Ngannou hold, draws the line in the sand that says, I want that big money too. Now, we, like you said, we have a different story. And of course, the big thing is just how far off are we? And that brings back the whole thing. You know, it's like, show me the money. Why wasn't he shown the money? What is this best conversation ever with Dana? Whatever. What, what was all that? Because clearly they did not. Best conversation ever did not involve the important stuff if we're having this conversation today, right? So how far off are they? I don't know, but this does not bode well because what I am genuinely feeling is that John Jones could be down to let this slip away 
And in which case, you have a year where you've lost probably two, three of the biggest fights that could have been made. It looks like Jorge and Colby isn't going to happen, and that would have been fantastic. Then John Jones versus Izzy. John Jones for the heavyweight title. You had two great options coming out of last week, Stipe, or sorry, two weeks ago, Stipe or Nganu. Both of them are a win-win to sell against John Jones. And somehow we're at risk of possibly not getting any of them. I just get paid, but at the end of the day, it could be a situation where, you know, the big fight doesn't happen. And when that happens, it's like, wow. I'm just very shocked if that is what's what comes to pass. I think it might be. I think so. but I hope not. And then also yeah. the gone Volkov booking. It's like, well, now Derek Lewis is wide open and clearly that's a leverage play, yeah. I think. Because I think if they were really close, they would be like, yeah, Derek Lewis fights Cyril Gaon and we'll leave them all open. This was, booking, this was booked on purpose, in my opinion. So. I think so, man. I think so. <sighs> but I guess we will see. But um, yeah, just a very interesting development. We're gonna. It's gonna happen almost anticlimactically. They're either gonna come to terms or they won't. And I just feel like it's gonna be a big swing, no matter what. So we'll go from there. Uh, Natalie, we had so many fight announcements. I think we got to make this a rapid fire segment. I love it. Are you it. ready? I'm okay, ready. So quick thoughts. We're gonna run through them in chronological order as they will happen on the schedule okay so quite okay. a few of them damian maya versus Bilal muhammad june 12th obviously Bilal coming back from the eye injury damian maya obviously a very crucial fight for him what are your thoughts my first thought was is this a retirement fight for damian maya like when's the last time we saw him fight um i don't know i know we don't have time to get through all of it but that was my first thought is like could this be one of those you know on the way out fights with a, a younger opponent Either way, it's a good challenge for Bilal, and it will be good for us to see where Damian Maya is right now. Yeah, uh, Maya hasn't fought since the fight with Burns. The way Bilal looked, um, look, I know Leon Edwards, you know, that fight, um, I think just a Leon a little too good on the night, but Bilal's been doing solid. I think has all the advantages of age and youth and power. Uh, I was shocked that they booked it for Maya. It's great for Bilal um but um to get a veteran but i was surprised at the announcement too uh one good things for both of them to be honest and uh yeah i feel like one of them's gonna get the short end of the stick in this one which is mm -hmm. tough but you know a uh, solid booking on that one june 19th korean zombie chan sung jung against dan ige uh one word fireworks what about you yeah, I mean, this is exciting. I got no issues here. Just uh, all thumbs up on this side. Cyril Gaon, Alexander Volkov, June 26th. Also, you know, can't complain here. So two heavyweights who, who do cool things when the, uh, when the stars line up and they can get that perfect shot out. That's what you want to see. Will they do it against each other? We hope so. So also two thumbs up. Two of the most technical dangerous guys also low-key i know that it feels like there's a lot of hurdles in front of them potential title eliminator depending on how the calendar plays out i think that's very key because one of these guys could really be right there if some uh, if they still have more issues making a deal with john jones because in which case it's only Derek lewis ahead of them um, and finally, Wonder Boy Stephen Thompson against Gilbert Burns on the 10th of July. That'll be uh, the Conor McGregor Poirier trilogy, which we said it looks like that they confirmed the date this week. This one made me cringe a little because I love Stephen Wonder Boy Thompson so much, and he looked great in his last fight. Although now I cannot, for the life of me, remember his opponent, Jeff Neal. Yes, yes, thank you. Uh, he looked excellent, but Gilbert Burns is also something something else and he just fought for the belt so a lot of uh, redemption on the mind of gilbert burns stephen thompson wants to get back into that top you know contender position so a lot on the line here um i'm rooting for thompson but it's going to be a tricky one it's going to be a tricky one for him it's a great fight but and, and look a solid fight gets the winner into the title picture 
arguably short note, you know, possible eliminator. Like, if something happens, the winner of this one could easily be fighting for a title mm-hmm. in the near future. Just that's the nature of where we're at right now. If you know, if this happens to fighter X, fighter Y is right there. You get what I mean. We've seen this happen quite a few times by now, right? Yes, sir. It does make me wonder, where the heck is Colby Covington? Yeah. Because this is wild. Because those were two of the obvious ones. I don't know if Michael Chiesa is going to come into play um, in the late summer. I know he was nursing the rib injury, I believe. That's why he couldn't fight Leon. But, um, yeah, I feel like that's like... I. something's about to happen or it's like you're talking about just one of the most uh, just attention grabbing contenders somehow being iced out and i find that very surprising as well so i am interested what is the play here because i don't know what dominoes they're looking to have set up and fall it's super weird that he's just like essentially mia from the landscape the conversation yeah i did see the interview he said he is down to weigh in be the backup in uh, about two three weeks so okay you know let's see if we get to jacksonville and he's there you know that'll certainly be quite the show stealer um some other stuff happening and natalie anderson silva boxing julio cesar chavez jr so chavez jr 35 just fyi Silva, 45, um, not for nothing, but uh, Chavez Jr.'s father, the legendary Julio Cesar Chavez, is fighting the son of his one of his rivals, Hector Camacho. He's fighting Hector Camacho Jr. on the same night, too. Um, I just didn't see that coming. Uh, what were your thoughts? Dude, like, out of left field, curveball with the changeup on the side. I mean, come on. <laughs> that... When I saw this headline, I thought at first I thought it was Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. and I was like, no, 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 the height difference alone. Okay, but Junior, Junior's had a very interesting career, right? He's 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 like his father in name only. Um, he had some highs. Uh, Sergio Martinez fight, he was losing badly, and in the last round he almost finished it, but couldn't couldn't get it done, and so ended up losing. Fought Canelo Alvarez, and it was touted as this really big like Mexico versus Mexico. He didn't show up for the fight. He was just kind of, you know, standing there with his hands up. And the story has really been that he just never quite puts in the time in the gym, right? He could just never really, ha- he never had that drive to, to be the next great Chavez, Julio Cesar Chavez. So his career is kind of in a strange place. This is a really odd choice for him, not for Silva. For Silva, it's like, okay, cool. I'll fight this younger guy who's got a, a pedigree, at least in name. And it'll be fun for him. So it's a kind of a win-win for Anderson Silva, but Julio Cesar Chavez, even though he's not, you know, he doesn't have a, he's not like a boxer, 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 puncher. He's got power. He's got power bombs and he can take a shot like nobody's business. So it is a dangerous fight for Silva, but all in all, overall, it's just, it's just a freaking, you know, head scratcher. Why is he agreeing to fight Anderson Silva? Does he really have no other options? I mean, I think it's a great money grab for everybody involved, which is the yeah. only thing. Um, the age for Chavez Jr., I think that's the big thing. It's uh, I don't want to compare apples to oranges because it's a little uh, Ben Askren, Jake Paul in that way. You get what I mean? But um, mm-hmm. here's the thing. Anderson Silva can strike. <laughs> that yeah. meant, you know, and, and once again, apples to oranges, MMA boxing versus... Uh, Chavez Jr.'s, you know, traditional and, you know, made for boxing, boxing. But, yeah, this is going to be one to watch. Um, The age and all that is there for Chavez Jr. But, yeah, uh, this feels like uh, it can be fun and it could be a letdown all at the same time. You get what I mean? Yeah. But So I'm shocked. But if everyone's getting paid and it's just about going out there and doing what you love to do and that's compete. I've always supported that for everybody. I certainly do for Anderson. So, but yeah, the matchup itself, quite the head scratcher. Oh boy, I'm watching them, of course. <laughs> no, we have to. We have to. Is this a thriller thing or is some, no, somebody this else? This is separate. Okay. Yeah, and not a thriller one. Um, real quick, uh, you had to have seen this one. Uh, I oh, believe yeah. I'm gonna mess up his name. 
Kitag Pleave at CFFC94. Um, it's on Fight Pass. But uh, in a week without UFC action, this really stole the headlines. Long story short, uh, he kind of he blocks a kick. Later on in the fight, uh, his opponent kind of grabs his hands as they're grappling. And Pleave's finger, between the second and third round, it, there's an injury. The fight gets stopped. The camera zooms in, and his finger, by John Morgan's own words, it's just gone. <laughs> and it's this, oh my gosh, one in a, one of a kind, never heard of something wild like this happening. The PA announcer is saying, guys, look around, see if there's a finger. They're like, it, you know, did his finger get ripped off? Where did it go? Um, it, you find out that, uh, I guess... It got, it was broken and I guess just completely off, but, uh, you know, the flesh was off at least most of the way. And it just kind of curled back into the glove. If you've ever seen a MMA glove, it's not just over the knuckles. There's some way into the fingers. So how did that happen? I have no idea. I would love like a video displaying how does a finger curl into the finger section of a glove. But oh, they find out it was there. And there's literally easily the best how it started, how it ended. His finger's gone. A couple hours later in the hospital, he, he sends Mark Raimondi of ESPN a picture. All good. All five fingers with the one stitched up like it's Frankenstein. I think I said everything I need to. <laughs> what was your reaction? Oh, my God. I just it was like, how could that even be possible in MMA? But it happened. I mean, has a limb ever been severed before? No, I don't think. A digit, I should say. Uh, that was gruesome. Uh, I think I feel for the guy. Like, probably didn't feel as much pain at first, though, because of the shock of it all. But also, like, to be the announcer, like, do you think someone told him in his ear, like, uh, can you please put out a request for the people to look around for the finger? Or do you think he just thought, like, I got to help this guy. Like, let me see if someone can find his finger. I don't know. But that that's that's insane. You got to see it, like, serious. Like, no, this is a legit thing. If they, You know, like, you, you've seen. I know it's, like, come up on TV a bunch. It's like, hey, if you don't put it on ice and get it to him in, right. like, two hours. Like, it's over. It, yes. Real quick side note. I recently saw this rerun of Friends. I guess like the one of the girls drops the knife on one of the guy's like foot and it cuts off his toe. They rush him to the hospital. She has the bag and she thinks it's a bag of ice. She thinks she has his toe. Instead, she mistakenly picked up a baby carrot. <laughs> right. And so he just has to get stitched up. He lost his toe and uh, he goes off on her after the fact. But um. You know, to add light to a situation, it's like, no, legit. I think they thought that's, that's why they put it out on the PA, because they thought that's what's going to happen to this guy. Yeah, we guy. need to find his finger, dude. He's about oh, to lose man. the finger. That's just unreal, dude. Unreal. I don't know if anything like that's ever happened. I mean, we've seen, you know, we're just talking about Anderson Silva. We've seen gruesome leg injuries, gruesome facial injuries, but that... Oh my God! And How this, much do you think it hurt? And, and he this got dude was—he apparently said, "No, nah, I wanted to keep fighting." It's like, my man, that's gangster oh, right there. Like you see the first picture, the bone is out a bit, and I'm like, <sighs> like, it, I something odd, and I guess you'd have to have it happen to you to know. I feel like any appendage, whether arm, finger, toe, if it comes off. You'd think just now you are wide open, the blood... I'm not saying you'll bleed out, but... Right, right, right. You should have a couple puddles, right? Yeah, it should be pouring out of the glove, I would have assumed. But it actually looked kind of just like a... a you know, like when you like, separate chicken leg from the thigh. You know, just kind of... I just... Like it's that. like... what You'd feel like there'd be a lot more blood if you just cut a piece off and just... It just drips out. So... You know, oh, props it, to Mark Raimondi, though, because I don't know if he had a relationship with this fighter beforehand. You know, it's not like a one of the top MMA promotions, so I don't know if he did, but he was right there with it, man, with the picture and everything. So he got in touch with this guy very quickly. This is a wild... 
you know what? Just when you think you've seen it all, man, you get hit with one more thing. Then Jason oh. Jackson with the eye and the sh- uh, on Friday at Bellator. It's like, dude, this is uh, anything hey, as real as it gets. Trademark. <laughs> um, Natalie, so going forward, why is this the most packed month of MMA ever? Every week this month from now on will feature no less than three, count them, one, two, three promotions running events. So every week there will be some combination of UFC, Bellator, PFL, and one. And about the only thing that doesn't happen is all four at the same time. Although I do believe, after look at it, I think that we may have four the week of uh, Ben Askren, Jake Paul. I think that counts as four. That is, for one, uh, everybody in every MMA website is certainly happy to have work. But my goodness, that I, I looked at that overall and I'm like, these are not some, you know... Pity Patter Mickey Mouse fights. They got some big names competing this month. It is yeah. definitely loaded. Yeah, this is uh this is the real deal. Everybody's back. That's what it tells me. The uh the worst of the um you know, the dumpster fire that was twenty twenty <laughs> is behind us and twenty twenty one is is looking looking good, at least in the world of MMA. And we've got those uh, you know, in, what is it, in May or April? No. The uh, Jacksonville, is that May? Uh, no, that's April. Yeah, it's April, right? Okay, that's yeah. Houston so, I mean, is that's May. Just, just around the corner. And, um, yeah, it's it's good to see everybody up and running, you know, in whatever limited capacity they're able to, except for the UFC, who's going to break ground and be the first one with a full crowd. So good news for everybody. A lot more work for us, but we're happy to do it. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I hate working, but I love getting paid. And not for nothing, I love my work, so. There you go, yeah. double. I'm all into it, yeah. Um, What was I going to say? Uh, Before we get to the other stuff, Natalie, today, it is officially the end of the Reebok fight, you know, the Reebok sponsorship deal in the UFC. Tomorrow wow. will begin, and it looks like they're going to drop some photos and some stuff the new Venom fight kits ahead of this coming Saturday's uh, UFC event on ABC. Um, Quick thoughts. It is the end of the UFC Reebok uh, era. Yeah, I'm thrilled for for both. For the end of the Reebok era, no offense, but I just, there was just so much opportunity for creativity that was not used. So I'm happy that that's done. But it was, you know... It was a good move for the UFC in, in the right direction of, you know, trying to establish themselves as more legitimate. Okay. But I didn't like the uniforms. Every, any iteration, I, I thought they were just whatever, bland. Okay. But so I'm excited that that's over and I'm excited to see what Venom has to offer. Like, this is pretty cool. This is an opportunity to see what, what worked, what didn't work with Reebok, to see what worked with uh, the way uniforms were handled previously, right, where every fighter had their own promotion and could wear this, the T-shirts and all that stuff, do whatever they wanted. You know, hopefully Venom has been treating this with care, with love, with appreciation, honoring the traditions of, you know, pre-Reebok and what other eight fight promotions doing. Like, there's a lot there's a lot of, of mm, uh, source material for them to pull from, plus whatever abilities they have having been in this field for so long to make the best fitting, most comfortable gear. So I'm very, very excited. Um, but, but footwear, uh, is that still Reebok? I know it's not Venom, but I don't know what the situation is. Yeah. The footwear is Reebok, but, um, respectfully, have you ever heard them talk about their shoes? No. I mean, the best thing they ever got was that one Conor McGregor commercial where he's like made out of Play-Doh. Um, it was like before the cowboy fight, if you remember. But uh, I don't remember that. Okay. Oh my gosh, it was very. It was like one of those '90s, like Wallace and Gromit or something like that. Okay. Like okay, that yeah. that guy who looked like he was like made of licorice. That green dude. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Yes, he looked like that. Anyway, um, I always said the Reebok deal came years too late. You know, like the times when fighters needed it. 
uh, you know, wasn't there. Now when every fighter could be their own brand and push stuff on their social media, you know, I, and they can't wear that brand into the cage and on the shorts, I think it's tough. But um, I'm all for fighters getting paid. And you know what is, I, I know there's a pay bump. I'm sure fighters will have some thoughts. And, you know, look, it, it is what it is. What I just hope is like, look, if it gives fighters a chance to show more individuality and creativity, I think that's what you most want to see. Because then at least that helps to build your brand outside the cage is if they work with you inside of it. You get what I mean? So I hope that Venom yeah. being more combat sports based and centric for years, that there is now that flexibility. If you are a fighter who really can show your individuality out there, you could work with them and get some ideas going. So I do hope that happens for sure. And I think that that would really go a long way making everybody happy. But, um, all right. So there's remember... going to be a reveal tomorrow then. We can't wait, right? Yes. Okay. I always remember those, like, uh, if you remember the first day that they came out with them, you had like some people, I guess they had the wrong country on the Reebok oh, photos. Oh, yeah. Gibblert Melendez. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I posted, I poured one out for Anderson Aldo. Yeah. The right. greatest fighter <laughs> ever seen. Anderson oh. Aldo, the day one Reebok athlete. Oh my God. Um, you know what? Uh, there's pluses and minuses to everything. Um, we're back. UFC action back on ABC. It's not the main event we expected. Darren Till reported last Monday. Hurt his, I think he broke his collarbone. Yeah. And the man of the moment. Mr. Take a Short Notice... Cowboy Cerrone, who Kevin Holland fight number seven in a twelve-month window, stepping in to take on top-ranked Marvin Vittori. Um, what's there to say? We saw Kevin less than a month ago. He's back. What are your thoughts? Well, I think this is a a great opportunity for him. Uh, opportunity for redemption, right? He, I kind of, kind of embarrassed himself with against Derek Brunson with all the talking and not backing it up. And he was handled pretty easily by Derek Brunson, just, you know, slow and steady wins the race. He was, Kevin Holland was talking to Khabib. He was doing all these antics. And it, if you win, that's great. But when you don't, it kind of leaves a bad taste in your mouth. And I'm sure the, uh, the powers that be at the UFC were not pleased because it was a main event spot. You know, you want to highlight this guy who's been on this amazing run. And instead he kind of shows himself to be a little bit, of a fool in that moment, not, you know, generally all around. So I think it was smart for him to step up to get back in the good graces of the UFC. And he's got a really, you know, there's no graceful way to say it, but put up or shut up, right? Like he's got to prove himself again. He's kind of starting uh, at the, at the beginning almost um, in this position. Now, if he wins, okay, he's back at the top. He's the golden boy again, but this is very very uh, keen opportunity for him to to hold on to the ground that he has 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 climbed. If he doesn't, you know, we'll see. But uh, h- how do you see this? Do you think it's more Marvin Vittori's, you know, place to shine or Kevin Holland's place for redemption? I will say that I think that we know a lot more about Kevin Holland in the Brunson fight than we did in the last five in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you know a lot of the same things you did before. He's tall, he's fast, he's athletic. He makes for very entertaining television regardless. Um, that said, I think that you saw, you know, built, powerful, physical middleweights. It, they could give this guy a lot of problems. I think you just saw that, look, the Jacare fight notwithstanding, getting him on the ground, you have his biggest deficit. I think that uh, Marvin Vittori's probably very empowered by that because he's like look this guy didn't become a it's not like he went out and became an all-american wrestler on short notice and no you know with just a month ago i do think that that all bodes well for him i think you gotta acknowledge just how good marvin vittori's been he took out a great guy in uh jack hermanson um he showed i think a lot of his strengths in that fight his versatility in that fight I think people forget that over half of his wins are submissions. Um, all of that says that he 
is okay grappling with Kevin. And if anything, I think he knows like, hey, make this ugly, get in his face. Maybe invite him to talk a little bit just so I could stifle him and get in his face right as he gets going. I think all of that goes well for Vittori. And uh, yeah, you know, Kevin Holland beats Vittori. You're talking about not just a 180. You're talking a complete 360 from, you know, Friday before he fought Derek Brunson to Saturday night if he's got his hand raised. Just absolutely wild. You could argue that he essentially brought himself right back to that uh, title precipice, you know? I wouldn't say he's now ahead of Brunson because he's still got the loss, but he would be back in that conversation maybe one more. Maybe we can talk about him versus Adesanya. So I think that that would be something. You can't undervalue a win of over Marvin Vittori right now. Yeah, I mean, all great points. Looking at this matchup, though, how much of um, Kevin Holland uh, fighting Derek Brunson, like, you know, is he depleted from that? Is he motivated physically? Um, is he feeling like he's ready to go? Or is he really just taking this fight because he needs to get back, you know, on the positive side of things? Um, thinking that that's probably, that it's, that it's, you know, both things are probably likely that he maybe is physically a little bit depleted. Uh, because that was a long, grinding fight, and and that he wants to uh, get back in the good graces, I'm leaning towards Marvin Vittori. I think Vittori's just—he's been ready for this for this scheduled fight, no matter who the opponent. And I think he's just going to be the better, fresher fighter. So I'm leaning towards him. I think he's going to be able to finish Kevin Holland. Uh, oh, actually, as I say that, I don't know, but I'm I'm going to stick with it. I'm going to say. Uh, Actually, TKO round four for Marvin Vittori. Oh, boy. You know, I'm actually feeling a little closer to the third. I think that Marvin, um, I think he just wants to put a stamp on it a little more than Derek. I think that credit to Derek. He's been much more patient and he feels like making less mistakes. I think, though, Marvin Vittori just stylistically... If he's on top of you, he's going to take more risks to get the finish. I think he knows what he wants. I think he wants to make a statement. He wants to say, look, you know, Rob Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, this is my time to get the rematch with Adesanya, not yours. And I think he knows that he really just blitzes Kevin Holland. That gets him that fight. Because you know that Rob and Kelvin just have better name value going into it right now. So... He kind of wants to put that pressure on them next week. So I think that that's just his goal is that I, I think he's going to get after it a little more. And I think just stylistically from what we saw, I think he's just a bad matchup for Kevin Holland. It's a fun fight. I would love for them to talk. That would be nice. But I just think that it's not going to go that way. So what's your... Uh... What's oh, Marvin Vittori. Marvin Vittori. Okay. Yeah. Third okay. round. Sorry. Yeah, All I'm with right. you. Uh, one up. Uh, I will raise you one round. I almost said round three, you know, just so you know. Uh-huh. <laughs> like that one. Never mind. <laughs> like that one time you change your mind and you're like, Tony Ferguson, see, you want Tony Ferguson to win. <laughs> and you were right. You picked Gaethje. Yeah. Um, no, it's, uh, it's good. Uh, I must look next week is going to be busy because this week. You know, we didn't even mention it. One championship is back. Demetrius Johnson um, for the flyweight title. Eddie Alvarez is back. And then they're trucking. Um, Bellator, Ryan Bader, Lyoto Machida too. So there will be plenty to digest. And um, guys, yeah, we'll have the major headlines, major turn of events across the across the globe over the weekend. And of course, um, yeah, Natalie, the big one next week, though, Whitaker, Kelvin Gastelum, a uh, couple years in the making. What are your thoughts as we, you know, tune out for the week? Yeah, that's 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 what I'm thinking is the long time coming. Right. And and what has how the career of Kelvin Gastelum has changed because that fight didn't happen. And what he's thinking now about in terms of redemption, in terms of reminding everyone that he was this guy who was at the very top. And went to war with Israel Adesanya and, and maybe would have beat, you know, Whitaker had he had the opportunity but didn't. And then 
you know, just had to kind of claw his way back. So I'm looking forward to, to breaking this one down and then to seeing the fight because there's a lot to this story for sure. And if you could believe it, next week also, Jake Paul, Ben Askren on the same night. Oh my goodness. And then I think they have, well, no, I think they only have a one. I don't think they have a Bellator card that week. So, oh boy, we're going to be putting in overtime. Lots of pay-per-views. Guys, we'll be back next week. We'll be talking about all of it. Until then, take care. Have a good one.